The following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people, and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer, and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions, or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. This evening's reading is taken from John chapter 10, verses 11 to 21. I'll give you all a moment to find it in your Bibles. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello. This is week four of our sermon series looking at the I Am sayings of John's Gospel. Each book of the Bible, in different ways that vary according to author or genre, each help us to understand more about who God is and how he relates to his world and his people. And the four Gospels, of course, recount specifically the life and the ministry of Jesus. But where is the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, when they point to something about God? They'll often say, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed or the kingdom of God is like yeast. Whereas in John, we have this series of statements with Jesus saying, I am. And each I am statement tells us something more about Jesus. But we also find this phrase in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. And there it functions as what the great Kingsley Barrett called the divine word of self-revelation and of command. We think of Exodus 3.6 when the Lord says to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Or Exodus 3.14, you know the one where Moses asks God what his name is and God replies, I am who I am. These are powerful statements. So far we've heard about three of them. Three weeks ago Claire looked at I am the bread of life and then two weeks ago Tom explored I am the light of the world. And last week, Brandon preached on, I am the door of the sheep. Today, I get to look at, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says this twice in today's passage. 
The first time, starting at verse 11, he tells us what a good shepherd is like by contrasting him with a hired hand. Now, at various points in the Old Testament, as we've learned in the sermon series, God is described as the shepherd of his people. There are examples in Isaiah and Jeremiah, and of course the famous 23rd Psalm, which begins, the Lord is my shepherd. And as Brandon reminded us last week, that title of shepherd was also used to describe leaders of Israel from Moses through to David. But there are also references to bad shepherds, probably most famously in Zechariah 11, which contrasts unfaithful shepherds with God, who is the true shepherd. So this contrasting would have had resonances in the scriptures. So what does a good shepherd look like? Well, first, I think we need a brief sidebar on sheep in the time of Jesus. Sheep were important in first century Palestine, but it really wasn't easy country to raise them because there wasn't much pasture. So sheep wandered, there weren't any walls, so they'd wander along to eat. They'd nibble one bit of grass and then when it ran out, they'd move along and nibble some more. The Middle Eastern's New Testament scholar, Kenneth Bailey, lived in communities that farmed just as they did in Jesus's day. And he says an owner would move his sheep along by going ahead of them, singing a little song or playing a little tune on a pipe, just a few notes, but it was his call sign. His sheep would recognise it and they'd follow him. But that was daytime. At night, the shepherd would gather the sheep into a sheepfold for safety and guard them against thieves wanting to steal them or wild animals wanting to eat them. And this could be dangerous work. It was known for shepherds to be killed by wolves. So if the person guarding the sheepfold were a hired hand only in the job for the money, maybe if he's a disillusioned security guard on minimum wage, how much risk will he take to defend the sheep? Would he risk his own life? No, says Jesus, but the good shepherd would. The good shepherd cares for the sheep, cares so much he won't run away even when confronted by violence. He'll do whatever it takes to save the sheep even giving his own life for them. The second time Jesus uses our phrase of the day is in verse 14, when he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now, if you've seen sheep in the fields of County Durham, and you probably must have done if you live here, then you may have noticed sometimes they have letters or numbers on them. At lambing time, you might pass a field and see a big ewe with 11 painted on her side in red and two tiny lambs beside him, a little eleven painted on each of them. Of course, it helps keep track of the sheep and to see whose lambs are whose. But for the Good Shepherd, each sheep is way more than a number. The Good Shepherd knows each of his sheep. And his sheep know him. They know him by that voice or by that call sign. Kenneth Bailey reports that when a sheep is sold, it doesn't recognise the new family's call. So when the shepherd calls the flock to go out for grazing, the other sheep duly leave the fold, but the new one stays behind, agitated and increasingly hungry until it can be retrained because it doesn't respond to an unfamiliar voice. To listen and respond to the voice of the good shepherd takes time and it takes practice. So the good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. This question of knowing is one of the themes that weave in and out of the pages of John's Gospel. But there are different kinds of knowing. When this Gospel was written, there was a fashion for Gnosticism. 
Very roughly, Gnostics believed that people could pursue enlightenment or salvation by gaining secret mystical knowledge. And once they had it, their spirits could escape the prison of their bodies and the whole material world and be united with the deity. Now, that may all sound weird, but trust me, Gnosticism is not dead. Years ago, I had a job where I had to learn about the actions of modern cults because they were targeting vulnerable groups. Cults will often lure people in, dispensing bits of secret knowledge, sometimes one level at a time, often at a price, usually with the promise of some form of salvation or enlightenment at the end, but only for the lucky or chosen few. So this was all at the back of my mind when, some years ago, I went into a church for the first time since I left school. And shortly afterwards they were doing an Alpha course and the vicar suggested I go along. I didn't know anything about Alpha so I googled it and most of what I found was positive. Apart from one piece I read which claimed Alpha was a cult. So I asked the vicar to tell me more about it and he explained how Alpha works, that you meet once a week for ten weeks and you eat together. We had posh pizza because it was London. And then afterwards there'd be a talk and then we could ask questions. But he could tell I was still hesitant and so and then he said, what's bothering you? And I sort of muttered about this article that I'd read and rambled a bit and eventually he said, are you asking me if Alpha's a cult? Well, yes, 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 I suppose I am. Now, in retrospect, this was a really stupid question because if it were a cult, he's hardly going to say, do you know what, you found us out, we're a cult. And bless him, he just rather gently said, Maeve, we're not a cult, we're the Church of England. And of course, most cults encourage secrecy. They drip feed you those bits of knowledge and promise more to come. You're discouraged from asking too many questions or challenging the orthodoxy. Whereas at the opening session of Alpha, when I finally did go, we were told we could ask anything, that no question was too stupid or too blasphemous. Of course, nothing about Christianity is secret. We tell everyone, in fact, we never shut up about it. And it's clearly not for sale. The good news is there. We give our Bibles for anyone to read. And at the heart of the Christian understanding of salvation is precisely that it's not there for an elite few. It's for absolutely everyone. And nor is it about abandoning the physical body or the material world for some pie in the sky when you die. No, Christianity is fundamentally embodied, incarnational. We worship a God who became human, took on a human body. The Bible has a wonderful vision of God's kingdom coming, which features a renewed, redeemed earth, with everything restored to its true state. So the knowing in John's Gospel isn't that kind of Gnostic secret knowledge, but nor is it knowing like knowing pi to 50 places, or knowing the offside rule, or how the Duckworth-Lewis method works in cricket. It's more knowing like you know a person, your best friend, or your husband, or wife, or your mum, or your daughter. It's recognition. It's relationship. And it's even more than that. At various points, Jesus talks of knowing his sheep and his sheep knowing him and hearing his voice. And that knowing and calling, they also resonate with Old Testament scriptures. Think of Exodus 6. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. Isaiah 40, where God calls forth each star by name. 
or Isaiah 43, one of my favourite bits of the whole Bible. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. But in each of these, the knowing and the hearing lead to something else. To hear God is to heed God. To know God is to follow God. But we're not finished with the knowing quite yet. Jesus says in verses 14 to 15, I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Let's think about that for a moment. If this mutual knowing between Jesus and his disciples is just as the relationship between the Father and the Son, that implies an incredible level of closeness and intimacy. And I think it's more than a comparison. The theologian Leslie Newbegin says that this mutual knowing between Jesus and those of us who follow him actually draws us into that relationship between Jesus and God the Father. That this actually is the abundant life that's referred to earlier in this chapter. Okay, let's breathe. There's some heavy stuff in John's Gospel. So let's look at what we've learned today from I am the Good Shepherd. Well, first, we've learned that the Good Shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, if an ordinary shepherd is killed by a wolf, it leaves the flock defenceless. As a scholar, Leon Morris puts it, the death of the Palestinian shepherd meant disaster for his sheep. The death of the Good Shepherd means life for his sheep. Because, of course, the death of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, wasn't a workplace accident. It was an act of sacrifice. God became human and went willingly to his death because that's what it took to give his beloved people abundant life. And that's the answer to the Gnostics, then or now, who think they can tell us how to save ourselves. Because the simple truth is, we can't. Fortunately, the good shepherd Jesus has already laid down his life for us and been raised from the dead to reunite us with God and to pave the way for the kingdom of God, for that redeemed earth. The second thing we've learned is that the good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. God knows you and calls you by name. But to hear the good shepherd's voice, you need to train yourself to recognise it. So during the week ahead, could you make some extra time to listen to God? There are loads of prayer resources out there if you want help, or books on contemplative prayer. Or you could just sit in silence for a short time. Perhaps first read a bit of a gospel passage or a piece of a psalm. Ask God to speak to you. And then listen in the silence. And if you sense something, then pray it through with someone a Christian friend or someone from church. And if you're not part of the church, then feel free to get in touch with us through our Facebook page or our website. We'd be happy to connect you. Thirdly, we've been reminded by today's I am the Good Shepherd phrase that to know God means to follow God. And if you follow Jesus, you're a disciple. You're a disciple every bit as much as his original disciples. But life as a disciple of Jesus needs work. It needs to be intentional. And next we focus on discipleship through our community of St Cuthbert with its spiritual support groups. 
If you're not part of a group yet, do please think about joining one. This is a really good time to do it. And it's incredibly important as Christians that we walk with others on the journey of discipleship. Christianity is not an individual religion. We're meant to encourage each other, to hold each other to account, to walk together on the same path, following the same shepherd. And finally, we've been reminded today that the Good Shepherd not only knows his sheep, but loves them. Loves them with a deep love, a love that stays to the bitter end. Now I know, on some level, many people are actually secretly afraid that if anybody really knew them, really truly knew them, they wouldn't love them. They'd reject them. And if you've ever felt that, just remember that here is God, who knows you better than you know yourself and loves you anyway. That loves you more than you can imagine. So, brothers and sisters, we've learned today that we are known and loved and saved by Jesus the Good Shepherd. Let's rejoice. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.